0: What's shaking fire nation? JLD here, and welcome to episode 1448 of EO Fire. We're right chat with today's most successful entrepreneur seven days a week, and I am dropping value bombs daily on Snapchat and Instagram. It is the only direct mentoring that I do. So start your day over there at John Lee Dumas. You can find me on both platforms. Now we're chatting with today's featured guest, Mr. Jonah Berger. Jonah. Are you prepared to ignite?
1: Yes, I am. Yes.
0: Jonah is a marketing professor at the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania and a world-renowned expert on word-of-mouth, social influence, and how products, ideas, and behaviors catch on. His first book, Contagious, Why Things Catch On, was a New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestseller, and his new book, Invisible Influence, was published in June of 2016. Jonah, take a minute, fill in some gaps from that intro, and give us just a little glimpse of your personal life.
1: Sure. Uh, so as was nicely mentioned, a you know, new book, Invisible Influence, has been out for a couple months now, already a New York Times bestseller, and really excited to share some new science uh, with, with the folks out there. Contagious was a lot of fun and would often have people come up to me afterwards and ask some questions that were great questions that that, that book didn't answer. And so Invisible Influence is kind of a, a, an answer to many of those questions that came up into the interim. Uh, it's been exciting to write and uh, exciting to tell people about.
0: Well, a huge congratulations on the New York Times bestseller, brother. I, I never doubted. Nobody ever did. And Fire Nation, if you're recognizing Jonah's voice or name, well, he was episode 253 of Entrepreneur on Fire. Jonah, that was over 1200 episodes ago, brother. You were joining us talking about contagious. So that book, you explored, you know, why certain products and ideas actually go viral and affect large groups. So how is the focus of invisible influence different?
1: Well, first of all, I want to congratulate you and your audience for uh, <laughs> 1,200 episodes later. Thank uh, you. You know, it's great to hear how strong uh, you and your audience is going, and it's uh, fun to be back chatting with them. Uh, you know, Contagious was all about how we get a product, an idea, a service to catch on by using the power of word of mouth. But but sometimes we don't have something we want to get to catch on. We just want to influence one or two other people. We want to get uh, our boss to do something in particular. We want to change our employees' behavior. We want to motivate ourselves and others, and so. Uh, social influence, you know, one person's effect on another is a powerful way to do that. It's a little more micro than maybe uh, getting an idea to catch on globally or getting a product to be super successful, but equally important if, if we're an entrepreneur starting a business, whether we want to persuade others or we're a small business trying to grow more effectively.
0: Now, one thing that we talk a lot about here on Entrepreneur on Fire, and I know that you're just really the expert on, so I would love to have you define this, and that's social influence. So how do you define social influence?
1: Think about the last uh, product you bought, uh, the service you uh, purchased from someone, the last decision you made, whether a small one like what breakfast cereal to buy or a big one like who to marry or which house to, to purchase. We think we make those decisions. We think it's all about our preferences, our likes, and our dislikes, and we're actually surprisingly wrong Other people are often making those decisions for us, Uh, others we know, like our family members, our friends, and our colleagues, but also even others we may not realize, Uh, the person running next to us on on a treadmill or the person sitting across from us on the subway or or the bus. Uh, And so social influence is any case where one person, uh, whether actively, like via word of mouth, or not so actively, just by engaging in a certain behavior, being present, uh, affects another's behavior. So you've
0: been studying this for 15 years. So Fire Nation, believe me, Jonah knows what he's talking about. He has the examples. But like, since you are just so attuned to this phenomenon, like there have been times when you've noticed the impact that it was having on you personally. So can you talk about those?
1: You know, as a funny example, recently I was I was talking to my dad, and I was telling him that I was writing this book uh, about social influence, and he was lamenting uh, the of the effect of social influence on his peers. He's a a lawyer in Washington D.C., and he was saying, "God, you know." All DC lawyers are the same. Uh, the first thing they do when they make partner, they hit it big, uh, is they go out and they buy a BMW. Uh, and I said, "Well, you know, Dad, that, that's interesting, but you know, aren't you a lawyer in, in DC, and don't you, in fact, drive a BMW?" And he said, "Oh, yes, uh, but you know, they all drive gray ones, uh, and I drive a blue one." <laughs> and what I find so interesting about that story is is two things. First of all, sometimes we do see influence when we look around; we see other people driving the same cars or acting the same. The one place we Never seem to see influence is ourselves. We never seem to think that we're influenced, often because influence happens non-consciously. We're not aware of it. Whether it's happening to us or, or we can use it to, to affect others, we're often not aware of how it's how it occurs. And as a result, we're not taking full advantage of its power. But secondly, influence isn't just as simple as doing the same thing uh, as others. Sometimes we think about influence and think, oh yeah, one person buying the same thing as someone else, but I'm never influenced. I always do different things from someone else. You know, if, if I'm i out to dinner and uh, I have an entree in mind and someone else picks it. I pick something different because I'm not influenced by them. <laughs> but that's being influenced in the opposite direction, right? There you're being influenced to, to be unique or in, in the case of my father, being similar and different at the same time. And so there are many different flavors or styles of influence. Uh, and the more we understand about them, the more we can take advantage of their power.
0: See, that's so funny because my dad loves playing devil's advocate. Like whatever I say or opinion that somebody shares, he always shares the other side of it and it makes him feel all proud. Like, you know, I don't go with the crowd. Like I'm different. And the example that you gave about your dad is so perfect. And so my question is like, why is it so hard for people to recognize social influence in their own lives?
1: Uh, you know, one reason is we don't want to admit uh, that we're, we're susceptible to influence because we think influence is a bad thing, even, even though it isn't. But but more importantly, it often happens uh, below our awareness, uh, non-consciously in, in some ways, uh, shapes and forms. There's a, a great study I, t- I talk about in the book where uh, a researcher, uh, professor of school, uh, took some students in his course. And at the end of the course, he asked them to rate how attractive they found different people, uh, showed them some photos, how much they liked those people, how attractive they found them. And you'd think, you know, everyone. One has their preferences, their likes and dislikes. Some people prefer blonde some people brunettes. Uh, some people like uh, their sniffing. Others tall, dark, and handsome. Others have different preferences. Uh, and we think all those choices are about us, our conscious decisions, the things we like and don't like. Interestingly, um, when the researchers looked at the data, they found that there was a, a particular trend. Uh, and the students had rated people that looked like they were in the class. And in fact, they were. They had been students that were in the class during the semester. But they weren't actually real students. They were actors. And the professor had manipulated how often these different actors actors had come to class. Some came to class every day in the semester, some came none at all, and some came uh, different amounts uh, throughout the course. What the researchers found is that the people who claimed to class more often were seen as more attractive. Even though the only difference was they had come to class more, the fact that people had seen them more made them like them more. Even though they didn't realize it. People said, oh, I like this particular feature of them. This is why I like the person I like. But the mere fact that people had seen others more changed how much they liked them and how attractive they found them. It's called mere exposure. And so one idea here is we often don't realize uh, others' effect on our behavior. We often don't realize what shapes our preferences. And so when we introspect and think about it, we're often unaware that influence has occurred.
0: So if we have a crush on somebody, no matter how unattracted they are to us, as long as we just keep our faces in their eyesight as much as possible over weeks and months, you're saying they're going to fall in love with us, right?
1: You know, what I tell my students is, look, uh, you come to class more often, you'll definitely learn something. And a side benefit might mean you might just meet that special someone (laughs) along the way.
0: So Jonah, Fire Nation, we are entrepreneurs. We want to know how we can harness this power of social influence to make better decisions in our personal lives and in our businesses. So what say you?
1: Yeah, let me give you just one one example, a fun one. Uh, And it's all about how to be more persuasive. Uh, Who wouldn't want to be more persuasive, right? More influential, uh, better able to change others' minds. Uh, And some researchers looked at this in an interesting context. They looked at negotiations. Uh, And if most of your listeners are are like me, you probably say, God, I do not like negotiating. It's always (laughs) tough. It feels forced. It uh, feels, you know, uh, one person wins, the other loses. It's a fixed pie. What can I do to be better at negotiating? Well, these researchers looked at hundreds of negotiations. They found that one simple simple trick led negotiators to be five times as successful, five times as likely to reach an outcome when all seemed lost. Uh, And that trick, very simply, was mirroring or mimicking uh, their negotiating partner's behavior. So uh, if you were looking at someone and they crossed their legs, for example, and and you crossed your legs yourself, that would be mimicking or mirroring them. Uh, If they took uh, their head slightly to the side or crossed their arms or uh, made a certain verbal uh, behavior and you mimicked or mirrored exactly or similarly what they were doing, uh, that's called mimicry. Now, not obviously, not so much that the person could tell, but subtly mirroring or mimicking the behavior of others led negotiators to be five times successful. And it's not just negotiation in a, a sales context. Um, some, some researchers looked at actually waiters and waitresses. They found that waiters and waitresses uh, who mimicked their customer's order word for word So if you ordered and you said, hey, I'd like a Cobb salad dressing on the side with a Diet Coke, and I say back to you, okay, Cobb salad dressing on the side with a Diet Coke, word for word, I got a 70% higher tip on average when I did that. Uh, And this has been shown in a host of different domains. And the idea very simply is that mimicking others uh, makes us trust them more uh, and bridges the gap. It sort of facilitates uh, social interaction. It turns strangers into friends and, and acquaintances into allies. If you and I found that we had the same birthday in common, for example, or went to the same high school, we feel a kinship. We feel more similar. And that's exactly what mimicry does, it makes people feel more similar to one another. So, next time you're trying to persuade someone or trying to influence someone, don't just listen. I mean, we're taught to listen, which is important, but also emulate them. Think about how to subtly mimic their mannerisms, their behavior, their choices. If you do that, they're more likely to like you as a result.
0: No, I love that. And I mean, that's just kind of why a social media platform like, like, like LinkedIn is really powerful because you can oftentimes see, oh, there's a connection that I have. You know, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's an industry, maybe it's a college, wherever it might be. And you can lead with that connection and that's going to just put you on that much higher level, right, to start with. And Jonah, one thing that I love that you do and you really talk about and break down in your books is you do a lot of experiments. And with an invisible influence, you do a lot of experiments. And so if you had to share with us, like what was your favorite experiment to conduct? And what was surprising about the results
1: there' are too many to have a favorite but i 'll tell you about one that i that I liked, uh, and it 's about motivation. How do we motivate people to, to work harder and uh, we all know that feeling you know uh, whether you 're trying to motivate yourself to, to get off the couch and exercise a little more, or muscle up the resources to finish a tough project or trying to motivate employees uh, you know around the office to get them to change their behavior. Often we think sort of carrot and stick uh, punishment or reward if I, if I go exercise then i 'll take myself out to a nice dinner or if i don 't do this i won 't get something else but Those are often not so effective. What else are are good motivational tools? And and we actually looked at the the role of others in motivation. Can other people be a powerful motivating force? Uh, And I used to be a soccer coach, Uh, I coached U-12 boys uh, out in California, AYSO. uh, And I noticed something unusual uh, about my team. I tried to be a good coach, tried to to teach some useful drills and practice, but every time we got to the game, it sort of, you know, it wasn't clear that my my teachings uh, were working. And I try to give a good speech at halftime. didn't couldn't clearly make a difference but I did notice one pattern and that was if we were losing we seemed to to figure out a way to win. When we were behind, we figured out a way to win. Sometimes when we were winning, we figured out a way to lose. But at least when we were behind, we figured out how to win. And I wondered if there was a pattern there, if there was a reasoning why. So actually with a a friend and colleague of mine, we collected a bunch of data on a different sport, NBA basketball, looking at tens of thousands of NBA basketball games to look at the score at halftime and the score at the end of the game. And what we're interested in seeing whether being behind or ahead relative to an opponent affect performance. Uh, Could others be a powerful motivating force? Uh, Could others motivate you to action? And and the NBA is a particularly interesting place to test this idea because, God, those guys are getting paid millions, if not tens of millions of dollars to play. You'd think they'd already be playing to their peak performance. They shouldn't need any extra motivation, but could how they're doing relative to the other team affect their behavior? And what we found uh, is if you're a betting man or woman, and you're trying to figure out what team to bet on at halftime, in general, you should bet on the team that's ahead. On average, every two points a team is ahead of another team. They're about 8% more likely to win. So two points ahead, they're 58%. Four uh, You know, four points ahead, they're 66% and so on, more likely to win. But there was one place that losing was actually a good thing. And that was losing by just a little bit. Teams that were down by one at halftime were actually more likely to win than their opponents. Even though they were down, so they to work harder to catch up, they had to score more points, and they tended to be worse teams on average, the fact that they were down made them work harder. It motivated them because they saw themselves behind by just a little. And this idea is called social comparison, right? Comparing ourselves to others. And it's a powerful motivating force. Lots of research has shown it's much more powerful than any sort of incentive, monetary or otherwise, that we can find. Too often, though, we compare ourselves And other employees to the wrong people. Too often we say, look, someone will win employee of the month. Whoever has the most sales will win employee of the month. Or we compare our own company to the Googles and the Facebooks of the world. But while that's very useful for almost there, right? If we're just close, it'll be useful. Too often we're comparing people to others or situations that are far ahead of them. You know, if you're uh, 66 out of 100 on on a sales competition, you're so far behind, you give up. You're not so close you can almost taste it. You can't even smell it. You're that far behind. And so you tend to give up. And so rather than picking top peers, we need to pick what's called proximal peers, other people that are ahead of us just a little bit. If we're trying to exercise or run faster, for example, pick someone who's just a little bit more in shape or a little bit uh, faster than we are. At the office, if we're giving people feedback, give them feedback relative to someone just a little bit better than them or pick a company to compare ourselves with that's just a little bit better than we are. Picking proximal peers will be much more likely to motivate people and make them more successful as a result.
0: Fire Nation, you just really need to understand the power of what Joan is saying here. I mean, if we can pick the right people to mentor us or to admire, to emulate or to follow or to train from, to glean this information from, that can make all the difference in the world. Now, we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors, but don't go anywhere because we're going to be talking about cockroaches. You're probably finding out pretty quickly that when you run your own online business, your prospects, partners, and customers aren't always in the same city or state as you are. So how do you, the business owner, continue to grow your business and provide excellent service even when you can't meet face-to-face? A tool we use here at EO Fire to help us stay on top of our communication is eVoice. eVoice allows you to forward calls and voice messages to any line, so regardless of whether you're in the office or on the go, you can still be in touch. Want a line with a professional greeting and menu options that make it easy for your callers to be routed quickly? eVoice provides that too. See how eVoice can help you connect with your prospects, partners, and customers quickly and easily. Visit eVoice.com today. eVoice is offering Fire Nation an extended 60-day free trial. Visit eVoice.com and use promo code FIRE. That's eVoice.com promo code FIRE. Have you ever heard that saying, just because you love to bake doesn't mean you should open your own bakery? It's a classic mistake that many entrepreneurs make. We're not all cut out to be in the business of building businesses, and that's okay. Whether you're a seasoned business owner looking to grow your portfolio or you're searching for your first business idea, joining a franchise can be a great way to start. But where do you find out what your options are? Franchise Help is here to connect motivated entrepreneurs like you, Fire Nation, with franchises that can help your new business succeed. Whatever you're passionate about, there's a franchise that can help you build it smarter and faster using time-tested methods that work. You can own your own business without having to go at it alone. Franchising gives you a proven business plan, the strength of a larger organization, and recognition of an established brand. Visit FranchiseHelp.com slash fire to take their franchise quiz and find your next business. That's FranchiseHelp.com slash fire. All right, Jonah, we're back in Fire Nation, Invisible Influence, the hidden forces that shape behavior Jonah has been breaking this down for. Us. So Jonah, talk to us about cockroaches
1: another fun uh, study from the book. Uh, And we we wouldn't think that cockroaches can teach us much about motivation, uh, but it turns out they can teach us a lot. And we talked about the power a couple minutes ago uh, before the break. We talked about the power of social comparisons, how comparing ourselves to others can can motivate us. But what about mere presence of others? What if we're not competing with other people, just the mere fact that they're around? Could that motivate us or, or demotivate us? Uh, and so uh, a scientist looked into this his name is Bob Zients, uh, and he figured out an ingenious way to do it uh, so he was interested in how social presence the presence of others affected motivation uh, and it turned out that some studies had shown a positive effect so some studies had found that cyclists for example cycled faster when they were being watched rather than not being watched or uh, students uh, filled out a questionnaire more quickly when other people were around and, and animals actually did the same thing uh, dogs for example eat faster when there are other dogs nearby at the same time other studies had shown the exact opposite, that others hurt motivation and performance, that people, when doing a difficult maze, for example, were slower when other people are around, uh, that learning a new task, for example, tying a bow tie was worse when you were being watched than when you weren't. And so when do others help motivate us, their presence, and and when do they hurt? And so he decided to look at uh, the most unusual uh, uh, subject ever, cockroaches, uh, and he actually built a little cockroach stadium to measure cockroach performance. (laughs) So we had a little racetrack, imagine, uh, you know, a little track where cockroaches, just like in the Olympics, can run a race. Uh, There's a starting area, a little uh, gate that opens up, but you shine a light. Cockroaches hate light, so they run out of there. They look for darkness. And at the other end of the track, right down in a straight line, was a dark end point that they could run to. And so he timed how quickly cockroaches ran from one end to the other, either when they were by themselves or actually when there were other cockroaches around. He built these little cockroach stands almost that he could put next to uh, the track so cockroaches were being watched by other cockroaches. And he timed how quickly the roaches ran when they were by themselves versus when they were being watched. And there was one other key detail that he manipulated, one other idea he had to test when others might help and when they might hurt. He thought the idea was maybe others help us do simple tasks. When others are around, we do simple tasks better. But when others are around, we actually do complicated or difficult tasks worse. They they impair performance on difficult tasks. So he had the cockroaches run one of two types of mazes. One was a straightaway, straight ahead. The cockroach just ran straight, only one way to go. But another was T-shaped. The cockroach had to run out straight either make a left or a right turn, almost like a plus sign, and go to the the exit on the left or the right side. It was much more complicated. The cockroach couldn't just run. They had to figure out which way to go, which was the right way to go. What he found was that, sure enough, others' presence helped in some cases but hurt in others. In that straightaway, when something was easy, cockroaches ran faster when others were around. When the maze was more complicated, you had to run out straight and then make a turn, cockroaches actually ran slower when others were around. And so what this has pointed out, it's been shown again and again since that point, is that others can help or hurt depending on the nature of the task. So if we're doing something simple and easy, like running, for example, if you're off and run, you're pretty good at running, well, being watched by other people, that'll help you run faster. If you're doing something at the office, a task you've done a bunch of times before, having an open office plan will help other people around, will make you do it better. But if it's something complicated, like parallel parking or learning a new skill uh, that's difficult to learn, well, then other people around can actually hurt us. That open office plan can make us slower to learn something difficult and new that we haven't learned already. And so what this suggests is let's take advantage of the power of peers. Let's think about those times where we are doing something that others can help and times when they can hurt and leverage them accordingly.
0: Jonah, Fire Nation loves surprises and you have some surprises for us when we're reading this book. So what do you think that we're going to be most surprised about with Invisible
1: Influence? I think we're going to be surprised by the power of influence uh, to change our lives uh, and and others' lives. I think we have a sense of conformity, the notion that people do the same thing as others. Uh, we have some sense of that already. You know, we know that when we go online, if something's popular, we're more likely to check it out. We may be more likely to, uh, to wait in line at a restaurant if there's a long line out front than if there's a short line. But when do we do the same as others and when do we do the opposite? As we talked a little bit about before, you know, if we're out to dinner, and uh, we, we actually change our entree to avoid what others are picking and when up being less happy as a result. So when do we act similar to others, and and when do we act different? Um, When do others motivate us, as we've talked about, and and when do they demotivate us? I also talk a lot about how we blend these different influences together. When launching a new product or service, for example, we're taught a lot to be different. Uh, The notion that being different is a good thing, you know, Apple succeeded because they think different, but that's actually not the case. Apple wasn't the the first one to launch many of the products and services they've been successful in. They were actually the second or third or even fifth mover in the space. Same with Google and and many other successful organizations. So I talk about something called the Goldilocks effect and how being similar but different uh, at the same time actually leads organizations to be more successful than just being different.
0: Now, Jonah, let's end with a parting piece of guidance, the best way that we can connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye.
1: The main reason I wrote this book is to just notice influence around us. We, we can't take advantage of it if we don't see it in the first place. And so the, the main goal of the book is to help us see influence and then take advantage of it to live happier and healthier lives. It shapes our behavior. We learn more about ourselves, but we can also use it to make our businesses and our ideas more successful if we can take advantage of the tool. So so powerful toolkit if if we know how to use it right. And then in terms of how to find me, uh, the best place is just Jonah. That's J-O-N-A-H, uh, Berger, dot com. Uh, you can find out more about the book. Uh, there's a bunch of free resources there. So how to be more influential, how to make better decisions, how to motivate yourselves and others. Uh, and you can find out more about how to apply the principles.
0: Fire Nation, you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with, and you've been hanging out with JB and JLD today, so keep up the heat and head over to eofire.com. Just type Jonah in the search bar. His show notes page will pop up with everything that we've been talking about today. And of course, head straight over to his site, JonahBurger.com and then snag his book, Invisible Influence. It's a great read. You won't be disappointed. And Jonah, I want to thank you for coming back on EO Fire 1,200 plus episodes later and sharing just the knowledge bombs that you have for. So for that, we salute you and we'll catch you on the flip side. Fire Nation, I hope you enjoyed our chat with Jonah today and all those cockroaches, so many cockroaches. I want you to knock over that domino and start your chain reaction of awesome Fire Nation. You can do that with FreedomJournal.com. So I'll see you there or I'll see you on the flip side looking to connect with your prospects partners and customers quickly and easily with evoice you can forward calls and voice messages to any line evoice is offering fire nation an extended 60-day free trial visit evoice.com and use promo code fire that's evoice.com promo code fire